when you do something passionately and to a degree and in a way that people haven't done it before, you tend to redefine what's possible for a lot of other people. Hello out there, podcast listeners. Welcome to episode 15 of the Training with Tucker podcast. My name is Tucker Gross. I am an endurance athlete and coach, and I started this podcast to put out short weekly episodes on a variety of different training topics to help athletes improve and have a deeper understanding of how to train. In this episode, I enjoyed a fantastic conversation with Jason Hardrath. Jason is based in the Pacific Northwest, where he is a health and PE teacher. He lives the van life, traveling around in his time off, climbing mountains, running through canyons, all while moving fast and light. In this episode, Jason reveals how he got into endurance sports, how a car accident that nearly killed him started him down the path towards FKTs, some of the most memorable and challenging efforts, and what he has in store for his quest to 100. Jason currently sits at 98 FKTs. The next closest individual is 72. To follow Jason's journey, check out his social media and website, both linked in the show notes. For those of you unfamiliar with FKTs, this stands for fastest known time. While seeing who can cover a certain distance the fastest is something humans have been doing for centuries, it took Peter Backwin and Buzz Burrell to formalize FKTs with a website and some specific guidelines and rules. I have linked the Fastest Known Time website in the show notes as well. This was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here's my chat with Jason Hardrath. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? No complaints. How are you doing, Tucker? I'm doing well. How's everything uh, going for your training right now? You know, it's coming along. It's had some hit hit and miss um, issues recently just because my van broke down on my last trip over spring break down in Bishop, California, and it has been an insane process because it was a horrible breakdown, like either a blown head gasket or a a cracked block, which for the 7.3 diesel and an E350 is like a nightmare to repair. Like they have to disassemble the whole front end. So it became this like decision of, do I just buy myself a new home and um, that's the way I ended up going. It's like, all right, I'm going to get a new van that's going to be reliable so that I can uh, get back to being focused on training and get it fixed up. So I have something to something I can believe in that works well for this crazy uh, Bulgers effort that's coming up. Yikes, that that's tough. Well, it's probably good for people to hear the not so pretty side of van life, right? We see all the the glorified van life of uh, that's out there on Instagram. So you get to show the the tough side where sometimes things break down and you have to make some tough calls. Yeah, no, um, that's like, this is like the nightmare scenario that you have to be, you have to be like emotionally short up for when suddenly it's like you go from having your happy little home space that, you know, you go through the process of getting it perfect for yourself and then losing that and having to go on, at least since I have like a professional career, having to go on keeping up a professional face, even though like I'm floating around homeless over the time I'm solving this problem, um, where you lose both a primary vehicle and your home at the same time. Um, like that's, that is definitely like the worst case scenario van life situation is that you have a job that requires you to be in a place and then you lose both your van and your home when you're far from that place. Um, so yeah, about as bad as it can get. Yeah, really. (laughs) How is everything going? You you teach full time, right? 
I do. Yeah. And what do you teach? I teach health and PE, uh, K through six. Awesome. Is the school year kind of wrapping up? Uh, we're going to go till mid June. So I can't quite say it's wrapping up yet. Um, there's, you know, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel at this point of the year, but I don't know. We're still in the swing of things. And I, I, I mean, I love what I do. I'm the PE teacher. I get to be every, every kid at that age, every kid's favorite teacher. Um, cause I'm the cool kid with all the fun games right? Um, and all the cool stories. So yeah, I can't complain. I, I love what I do. So <laughs> that's good to hear. You certainly do have a ton of great stories. I'm sure that they, they love to hear and I'm sure it provides a, a lot of inspiration for them to, to hear about all these great adventures that you go on. I, I do my best to convey. I mean, it's, it's tough to know like how much a, you know, say like a first grader can process of like an adventure and why you would go on it. Um, and then in some ways it's almost like they understand better than most adults, right. Who have accepted like, no, I should just go to my job and like not do that childish stuff. Um, so in a way they resonate with it even, even better than, than adults do. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, believe in your dreams. Okay. Of course. What else would I do? Um, meanwhile, adults are like, why would you do that? Are you getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, simplification, but you go out and you play in the woods, which kids love to do. And so, yeah, I can see how they would, they would kind of have a better understanding of that than maybe some, uh, you know, suits. You know, a kid gets a new pair of shoes and they're like, Hey teacher, look how fast I can run. Uh, you know, it's like, that's all I'm doing is like, Hey, look, it's a mountain guys. Look how fast I can run. Uh, so really it's like, I'm learning as much from them as, as they are from me. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into the, the good stuff here. So I know a little bit about your, your story just from having listened to you on other podcasts and whatnot, but despite being, I'm going to, I'm going to call you the king of FKTs, um, despite being arguably the most successful person in this very obscure part of our endurance sports world, you're probably not necessarily what people would consider a household name, right? So let's go back to kind of the beginning here, just a little bit. And how did you get into endurance sports uh, at, at, at the beginning? So, I mean, I guess that would go all the way back to like pre-middle school for me, like probably like fifth, sixth grade, sixth grade probably. Um, got into skating and then broke my wrist skating. And I mean, I was like into skating, like go out, yeah, sneak out of the house, leave all day, like skip the chores, skip the family responsibilities, skate all day long and not to go do drugs or whatever, like to honestly try to land the next trick all day long, avoiding coming home and like that on like repeat. Um, and so I think that built like the base fitness, but then I broke my wrist and the parents are like, okay, no more skating. Sweet. We kind of wanted you to stop this anyways. And so I discovered running in middle school through the PE mile, saw that I was kind of close to breaking a six minute mile and just gave my all throughout the school year to try to get fast enough to break it. And then the very last PE mile of the, of the school year managed to come through. And I can still remember like hearing that five at the front of the teacher reading, like the other numbers didn't matter. I know, I, I know it's a 557. Like I was able to like actually go back after the fact and find out I didn't listen at the time, but um, yeah, it was a 557 uh, a mile for uh, a middle school, which, you know, not, not anything special but also pretty good it's respectable yeah um and that kind of solidified this idea of like goal setting and like enjoying the process of sort of digging in and working hard and suffering to achieve a goal um and sort of believing in that cycle that process embracing the discomfort to accomplish something and that the sense of accomplishment was worth it so ran through high school made it a big goal to 
uh, like make it on varsity and then make it onto a college team. And that led to discovering biking and biking across the country and Ironman triathlon and marathons. And then a big old car accident happened in 2015 that like turned my world upside down, put me in the hospital. Um, You know, doctors said, you know, if you weren't so fit, you probably wouldn't have survived. You would have suffocated on the side of the road. And that kind of put a hard reset on my on my fitness. And that's when I, because I, I couldn't run anymore because you have to have good range of motion in your leg. And what happened is one of my knees got destroyed and had to have it rebuilt. And so I started hiking up and down hills and hills led to mountains, mountains led to bigger mountains. Pretty soon I was running into mountains that had technical obstacles, be it glaciers and crevasses or uh, technical rock climbing to achieve the summit. So I'm like, well, guess I got to pick up those skills now because I don't want to run into a mountain that I can't just choose to go to the summit of. Um, because I don't have the skills and so pursued those things all while still doing the rehab and like recovering. And uh, eventually after two years, the running came back and I had this new skill set and this new love for the mountains and big mountains and big pushes. And I already knew how to kind of embrace discomfort and suffer into like big endurance efforts. So it became natural to start linking peaks up for fun. And, um, for example, just for fun, a buddy and I did this run around crater Lake tagging the seven high points on the rim that are over 8,000 feet as we went. And then after that, I discovered this world of FKTs. And it's like, oh, like Crater Lake Rim High Route. That's obviously should be a route on the FKT website. Sure enough, people have like loved it since it got submitted. Um, I think it's changed hands like nine or 10 times uh, now between men and women. So yeah, discovered it kind of, kind of, you know, to make a long story short, that, that way I was already kind of doing those things. And then it was like, wait, there's a name for this and there's a, yeah. there's records to be had. And then it was like, it just, my, my thinking, since I already was thinking along these lines of what would be a really cool, big endurance push of like a semi-technical or technical or backcountry bushwhacking um, experience that I can just do light and fast. Since I was kind of looking for those and thinking along those lines, it became very natural to create FKTs of my own since one of the, you know, founding principles of FKTs is it should be something that other people want to repeat. And it's like, okay, I kind of have a knack. I kind of have an eye for seeing like, oh, this is kind of a classic line in this area. And I'm just going to do it in this light and fast way. Like, and do, do my research, you know, make sure I can't find easily find someone else who's already done it and done it faster. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes there's so many different things you can find that haven't been done in sort of this light and fast style because I mean, the advent of a way to track speed um, effectively is kind of a recent thing. Sure, there were places yeah. like, you know, fell running in Europe where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody knows you just accept that there's a stopwatch running and you go do the thing and you have some people witness it and that's good enough. And like, you know, that is good enough at the time, but that didn't develop everywhere. So, right. Yeah. So that's, you know, long story short, that's how I uh, ended up where I am. And so you got into this world of FKTs and, I mean, I, I have set, I think, four, if you were to look up my name on the fastest known site, like, you know, four and they're all, I think, 13 miles or less. But, you know, it just got inspired to go out and kind of chase some of these routes that were in my local area. They're all kind of in the Northeast, uh, Connecticut and, and Massachusetts, nothing too, too special. But I do see the allure of it. And I remember when I was when I was looking at the site, when I was just getting into it, I think you were in like the 50s. And you've, you've just been racking them up, you know, consistently since then. So what has kept you 
coming back for for more of these time after time, even though I mean, I assume you you're probably at some point thinking about, hey, I could I could set the record for the most FKTs. What has kept you coming back, even though you've kind of blown past the the next closest competition? For for a long time, it's been well at its core, it's that I love this stuff, right? It's right. I, I love the adventure. I, I I love the moments where I'm out there in it. I love testing myself against obstacles that nature has. And that's been in the nature of how, you know, some guys are like, oh, why do you go fast? Like you're missing out on the beauty of it. Like, no, when I push myself, I'm having a richer experience because I'm sort of, in a sense, feeling the difficulty of the mountain or the difficulty of the canyon or the difficulty of the rock climbing, right? Like when I'm pushing and, and just pouring myself out where as I reach the finish line, that's all I had left. It's like, to me, it's like, man, I have a vivid, visceral memory of that space um, of what it feels like with my nature pushed up against that nature and the two, the two like coalescing like that, that's sort of the experience. I mean, I can't quite put it to words, but that comes close. Um, and so that's at the core is just this extreme enjoyment. On top of that, though, there's this sense. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher at heart in my spirit. Like I'm not it's not just a job I do because someone pays me. I was teaching people before I got paid to teach people. I was like the kid who would hang out with the kid who was scared to catch a football until he could catch a football, even when I was a first grader. Um, so it was like in it's in my nature to like see the person who needs some help and help the person that needs it. So along with that, there's this sense of empowerment that's like, okay, sure, I can go do this, these crazy things. And if I do, like, I can do 100 of them. And that means I'll have lived 100 of these crazy memories. So I kind of had the idea of doing 100 clear back before when it would have been silly to say I was going to do 100 because people would have been like, yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'll just keep that to myself because you know people don't need to hear you brag about stuff you haven't done yet. Really, they don't need to hear you brag about stuff you have done. So but on top of that, there's kind of this subtle understanding that's like, okay, when you do something passionately and to a degree and in a way that people haven't done it before, you tend to redefine what's possible for a lot of other people. And it tends to give you permission to speak into more people's lives, to have a seat at the table, so to speak, um, to, 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 to have permission, if you will, to have people's attention. And it's like, that wasn't the primary goal. So I want to be really clear here. That wasn't the primary goal, but I'm an aware enough person about how the mechanics of the world work that I I was like, this could end up happening. I could have permission to speak to people. And one of the, probably one of the deepest yearnings you could say for, and I think all of us experience this is this desire to like leave some positive in the world, to have done some good with my life. And it's like, I've chased endurance activities my whole life because I was the kid who couldn't sit still in school. So it was like, it, at the beginning of my life, it was like, this is what keeps me from doing damage, right? From doing bad. Like I hurt other people's feelings. I, I, I break rules. I mess up systems. I, I, I make mistakes. And so at the start of life, it's like movement is simply how I avoid hurting the world around me and being a burden to the world around me. But now it's like, okay, this could be a pathway to actually reach a place where I can speak some good and some benefit and do some good. And maybe even like draw enough attention to cause some money to move places. Like I've, I've been really stoked to have some sponsors support some trail building efforts and like connect people in that way uh, with my local community or to get, you know, uh, other athletes or, or people I know or people who follow me are inspired to like support my students and help me buy uh, right now. I'm like buying uh, strider bikes so that my kindergartners and first graders, like every person I teach for the next 20 years of my teaching career 
like can walk away being able to ride a bike uh, after having me as their teacher. Like to me, that's doing some good in the world. And so to to take this and have a layer on top, you know, at the core, it's still like, I just love it. But to have a layer on top, that's like, this is me finding the good I can do to do as much good as I can in the world. And yeah, like maybe it's kind of pathetic. Maybe lots of people can do better. But to me, like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think something that's really cool about FKTs on their own is that, you know, you are putting something out into the world that others who are in this FKT kind of universe can can look at and can be inspired to maybe challenge your time. Or maybe if they say, oh, I can't, I can't quite do that. Jason's just putting up these these incredible times. I'm not going to be able to do that time or that distance. But maybe they're inspired to go out in their backyard and link up some peaks or do something. I mean, I know for me, that was very inspiring to say, all right, well, no one's done this before. And it should be it should be done. This could be a really cool thing for others to then follow on and and test themselves on. So it's great that you've not only been able to do that, but also, as you said, bring in some some positivity into the world. Um, so you have 97 of these FKTs to date, right? You didn't set any over the weekend, right? Uh, no, I have one upcoming this weekend, but I haven't okay. set, set any that haven't uh, come through yet. Gotcha. All right. So you're at 97. The shortest, 35 minutes. Longest, 135, somewhere in that ballpark. 135 miles, that is. Long, longest time-wise, I believe, is over two days. Shortest distance-wise was about two miles. So a pretty wide range. But of all of them, do you have one that sticks out as being the, the most memorable? Uh, man, see, that's, that's what's been the beauty of this process, right? To, to have embraced... And I think this has caused me to like get some flack and some judgment from people because they're looking at it as like, like the single effort, like, oh, like this one effort isn't that impressive. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I was coming into it with a 50 mile uh, effort a, a weekend before, and then I was doing it while knowing I was going to do another, you know, 20 mile effort the weekend after um, on, you know, technical terrain. So it's like, yeah, okay, go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. You're right. It's not, not all of them are that impressive. But to me, the beauty of the project of the hundred was that I was going to have to expand as an athlete because like the nature of FKTs is other people are doing them too. And some people are faster than me, like just physiology wise. So it's like occasionally like it, one that I thought I was going to be able to do is no longer going to be doable or it's going to get enough faster that it's going to be way harder to achieve. So it's like the game gets harder as you play it, which mean to me, like from the time I started it, I kind of knew it's like, this means I'm going to have to get better at FKTs and get better as an athlete and get better in my own creativity and what I can see and be aware of in the world um, in how I go do this. Like I wasn't even a canyoneer uh, prior to FKTs. And now I have multiple like, you know, sure, mild canyoneering. I don't think I'd ever put an extreme canyon. I don't think that belongs in the FKT world. Cause it's just, there's too high of risk and it's, there's just too, there's a lot of factors that why like a really technical Canyon shouldn't be like a time shouldn't yeah. be running for it, but in semi-technical canyons and even like on the mild end of technical canyons, like there's some great ones out there. And I like saw that it's like, okay, this is sort of like the run plus solo experience. And so I started like seeking those out and finding them and linking up canyons. Um, you know, for example, one that people have loved is the four canyons loop in, 
um, Capital Reef. That one, like the people who've done it have absolutely raved about it because it links up four semi-technical or non-technical canyons of the front country of Canyon Reef, uh, or excuse me, Capital Reef, and it makes about a marathon distance. And it's just a super cool way to experience that country. And that's that's what I've loved about it is that I've had to be flexible and adapt and train new things and learn new skills. If I was to have to pick, though, I think because of its meaning and its enormity, to me, the Rainier Infinity Loop weighs like it's huge. Like even as far back as it is now, the Cascade Trifecta, another one that weighs huge. Like to go after one that Buzz and Peter put up themselves, like that was a cool experience for me. The Rainier Infinity Loop, it like didn't even feel real. Like, is this even possible kind of thing? Doing the three Infinity Loops uh, back in 2020, um, on back-to-back-to-back weekends, Shasta, uh, Hood, and then Adams. That was a surreal experience to go experience every angle of those mountains and multiple routes on those mountains. And yeah, it was just a surreal experience. And then I'm still in love, as far as like a run-plus-solo effort, I would say Cosmic Wall in... I'm so surprised that more people, I think two people have tried to beat my record on that one. And it hasn't been been beaten yet. It can be. It can be. Someone's going to find the way. But it's just such a beautiful backdrop with such great solo climbing. You're on granite. It's beautiful moves, beautiful holds. And you've got Mount Shasta literally just right off your shoulder the entire time. Like you just look over your right shoulder and it's like Mount Shasta staring you in the face. Like there couldn't be a better backdrop to like just go out and like pour yourself out on an effort. And then uh, the only other one I think that compares as far as short, fast, and hard would be um, Rainbow Mountain via Rainbow Direct. That was a super, super cool experience in that beautiful sandstone, um, just racing up through the different colors of sandstone. It was so cool. So yeah, probably a lot longer answer than you were looking for, but I mean, I love this stuff, so. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And it it gives me a lot of ideas and hopefully gives other people ideas for ones that they can, you know, maybe they go try and and run them like you did, uh, or maybe they just go out and and hike them. You know, that's the great thing about these is you can go on the fastest known time website, you can check out the routes and see people's, uh, you know, reports and go choose your own adventure, which is, which is fantastic. Do you have one that you would say has been the the most challenging? Hmm. I think... Up to date, the deepest I've had to dig was during that Rainier Infinity Loop. Um, I'd never done something that took me out into day two and and into morning three, so two nights of pushing. Um, So that was a very novel experience, to put it nicely. And then, I mean, two times over the top of Rainier, what a a heinous proposition, let alone throwing the entire Wonderland Trail in there just to boot. Yeah, uh, so that that one's pretty surreal um pretty brutal so i'll just i'll leave that as the short answer so you've got three more to hit 100 do you have the next three picked out do you have any in mind for the big 100 absolutely um so i i'm actually i mean i don't know when this is going to air so people you know may get a a head start or they may have to just go check the fkt website to see if we succeeded but a guy hit me up because he's wanting to do the traverse over uh, San Jacinto. Um, so, you know, the famous uh, cactus to clouds to cactus, except instead of doing that, you go all the way up over the top, down the other side, all the way back up and then back down. Um, so we're going to go attempt that route, which has been in my notebook since probably like 
the second week I even started doing FKTs, it sat in one of my one of my FKT notebooks because it's like, oh, that would be really cool. Like that's huge. It's so much gain, so much loss. Yeah. And so it seems like a perfect training run to go prepare for this Bulgers effort where I'm just going to do heinous gain for day after day after day. And then uh, I might go do a cool new effort on um, Mount Rainier that I've been cooking up that's kind of historic and kind of huge with a guy up there that's been wanting to do an effort with me. Um, so those are the those are the two that should put me at 99. And then uh, launching into the Washington Bulgers, the 100 highest peaks of the state of Washington. 100 peaks for my 100th FKT, hopefully in less than 100 days. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. It's surreal. I mean, just the logistics on it alone are like, it's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> so I assume that's, that's your plan for your summer vacation, right? Yeah. got. I mean, you got to do something with a summer vacation. So <laughs> might as well just spend it nonstop climbing mountains. That's incredible. Well, I'm looking forward to following along. Is there a place that people can, can follow along with your adventures and your travels other than the Fastest Known Times website? So, I mean, uh, for like the Washington Bulgers effort, I'll have a live tracking link on the FKT website. I'll also put it out on my social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Probably Instagram is the one I use the most. Um, and it's just Jason Hardraft, at Jason Hardraft. Super easy to find. Those are probably the easiest way. If you want to get a hold of me, that's a great way to get a hold of me as well. I tend to respond to messages there on either of those uh, platforms. Great. I do have a I do have a website I'm building out and a YouTube that's kind of partially built out that some videos will go on at some point, but probably the best way is just social media right now. And I will put the the links to that in the show notes so people can go check out your your social media accounts and check out your full list of of your 97 soon to be 100 FKTs on the fastest known time website. Um, last big question here. Do you have any advice for people out there that maybe are just getting into FKTs or maybe they've never heard about FKTs and they're interested in learning more, giving it a shot? Sure. I'm actually starting to, to pencil out sort of, a, I, I don't know, it, always, it feels a little arrogant to say this because what do I know? I'm just some guy, but like sort of, a, I guess they'd call it a masterclass on FKTs on how I like break down and know that I can do something in the amount of time I can do it in and therefore how much food to bring, how much water to bring, what resources to bring, how I plan my routes out, like just kind of a, a video series um, that I'll be releasing that will have all that information. But if I was to pick a few out of that wide gamut of things, I would say learning to know. So based on the FKT you're choosing, knowing how to convert, like, okay, I've run a marathon in this amount of time. So therefore, for this distance, the pace I should be able to hold is this, you know, with this amount of gain. Um, learning how to know that's pretty huge learning to uh, like doing some tests for like uh, like a 1k vertical uh, test so you find a hill that you can climb continuously for uh, a, a one one uh, k one one thousand feet excuse me of um, a vertical and you like time yourself for the vertical rather than the horizontal distance and learning to know okay I can ascend approximately three thousand feet an hour or four thousand feet an hour um, if you're going to be doing anything in mountainous terrain, that's a huge benefit because it's way, I find it to be way more useful to think in terms of how fast you can gain the peak uh, in vertical feet than at that point, that it, like how fast your mile pace is, is almost irrelevant. Right. Yeah. Um, being keenly aware of how, how your body adapts to elevation and being good at, at properly 
adapting, acclimatizing to to the elevation you're going to be attempting your effort at is huge. Uh, that can be worth even hours. Uh, like you could you could come in less trained and better acclimatized and get a better finishing time if you're if you're paying attention to that. And then other than that, I, well, derivative from that is if you know those things, then you can properly program your food and water where you're not carrying a ridiculous amount of extra weight the entire time you're out there, which means you get a faster. I, most of my efforts are self-supported or unsupported. So um, if you're doing them, in, if you're supported, it's pretty easy because somebody else is you know, kind of managing that for you. But if you're self-supported or unsupported, that's huge because if you're carrying an extra five pounds the entire time you're out there, that can really add up. Um, that's a lot of extra watts you're putting out to cover the same distance. Versus if you know and you only, you know, your margin is closer to a pound or two pounds instead of that five pounds, like that can make a difference, especially with a ton of vertical gain and loss. So I'd say you want to learn to understand how your body moves through different terrain um, so that you can better program your your total pack out, um, how you pack. Um, that would be that would be reasonable advice to someone who's beginning. That's great advice. I meant to also ask you this earlier, but we'll, we'll go into it now. Is there one route out there that you would consider to be, uh, you know, the, the one that maybe at some point is on your, your bucket list, maybe not in the next three, but at some point you'd, you'd love to take a crack at it? Yeah. Uh, two right off the top of my head. No, three right off the top of my head. Norman's 13, all of the 14ers of the Sierra range. There's 13 of them called Norman's 13, sort of like Nolan's, uh, Nolan's 14. Yep. Um, they're a bit more brutal though, because there's technical rock climbing at high elevation. I'd love to love to take another crack at that one. I took a crack, but had like massive gear failures and had to abort. Uh, and I have been eyeing Badwater to Whitney duathlon for a long time, and that's one where it's like it's been eating at me enough because I used to be really strong on the bike as a triathlete. That it's like that. That's one where if I didn't at least take an honest, well-trained attempt at it. I would be disappointed in myself if I finished up this whole FKT thing and hadn't hadn't at least given that a hard burn for all I was worth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to end with a couple quick rapid fire questions. First off, any books you're reading that you'd recommend to any listeners? Oh, um, I think I really love uh, the Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Um, I think it frames it frames things about seeing our life through like, okay, what are you participating in that goes beyond you? Like it's a bigger thing than just you. And what are the finite things that are going to be, you know, dead and gone long before you reach the end of your life? Maybe you're putting too much attention into. And I think that's a huge perspective shift for a lot of people in our culture. So I'd say that's a, a fabulous book. Perfect. And I assume, especially as a PE teacher, uh, you don't only run in your training. So do you have a favorite general strength or core strength exercise that is kind of one of your go-tos um i'll say this I'll, I'll throw something out there that maybe people haven't heard of before um if you're if you're looking to quickly build power and contact strength where if you're gonna if you're doing any form of rock climbing contact strength is is king like it doesn't matter how much weight you can lift it, what matters is how much strength is there at the moment you make contact right otherwise you slip off the hold and you fall and uh, a guy, oh, I'm going to forget his first name, Dr. Nelson uh, of Camp Ford Human Performance. He does some really cool stuff around joint angle specific loading, 
where instead of just like, oh, I'm going to do a pull up with some weight on, um, instead it's like, okay, at 120 degree joint angle in the elbow, uh, my max weight is blank. And so therefore I do repeater hang, hangs at that joint angle with 90% of that or 95% of that to maximize strength at that angle. And then the same at 90 degrees and the same at, at a tighter angle. And you can do that with the fingers, with the arms, with the legs, and you get, you increase the contact strength and the power and get a better result. Like if that's your, if that's your end goal, so say someone that's trying to like feel more comfortable while for me, like I used it to feel more comfortable while soloing some of these routes, like to know I had way more than sufficient power to make any move on the route, like built confidence, like every move out there felt easy as opposed to prior to like doing this type of training. It was like, whew, that was a hard pull. So I think anybody that's pursuing sport climbing or climbing, like is going to get a lot of benefit out of that camp for human performance stuff. Definitely. Good recommendation. And lastly, I know this is probably a question you get a lot, but do you have one piece of gear that you would say is uh, maybe your, your go-to, your most helpful, most useful piece of gear that you've used in, in a lot of your FKT attempts? Um, really quickly, three of them. Um, one, a sun hoodie, because I'm always out there in high elevation terrain, oftentimes with snow beneath me. A sun hoodie's huge. I have probably... Not probably. I have a, a sun hoodie that has more FKTs than any other sun hoodie in the world. It now has a hole in the back because literally just the friction of a backpack on it has worn out a backpack shaped hole in the back. So those are awesome. Sun hoodies are awesome. Then I've really loved the FKT bag from uh, Ultimate Direction. Um, I've put, put, again, more FKTs on that bag than any other bag in the world. And then a newer item that's a game changer for me with the type of stuff I do in, in off trail terrain is the Lakey uh, trigger shark system trekking poles uh, because they have a little, a little glove you wear that has a loop on it. And instead of having a wrist strap, this little loop just locks into a system on the pole. And so you can just wail on these poles and not have your grip closed at all and, and have complete control of the poles just with your fingers barely touching. So for stuff I do where maybe I want to be laying on the poles like hard to climb fast um, on like snowy terrain or on loose uh, scree terrain, but then I know I'm going to be making rock climbing moves or I'm going to pull my ice axes out and be like gripping hard um, to make some moves up steep snow. It's it's a game changer because like I know my hands are coming into that totally fresh instead of like having already gripped the poles hard. Um, so for anybody looking to move quickly through backcountry terrain, um, if there's any kind of like technical movement, like those are a game changer. Even even a trail runner who likes running steep races will get a benefit out of that system. Awesome. Great recommendations. Really appreciate it. Well, Jason, I've taken up a, a good amount of your time. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to follow along with your your next few adventures here and beyond. I mean, it sounds like you'll be you'll be chasing number a hundred for the next few months. So uh, it's going to be, I'm sure, a busy and interesting summer for you. And I'm really, really stoked to to follow along with your adventures. I'm so glad we had this conversation, Tucker. It was, it was a pleasure, man. Sounds good. I may have to have you come back on and we can chat about your, your 100 peaks in 100 days for 100 FKTs. Pretty awesome. Good luck, my man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Same to you. hope you enjoyed this one thank you so much for listening 
If you did like this episode, I would really appreciate a five-star rating. And also please share this with friends, training partners, family, or random people on the street. If you have questions about the episode or my coaching services, feel free to reach out to me by email or through social media. Next week, I'll be releasing an episode in which I chat about breathing with Doctor of Physical Therapy, Lauren LaPierre. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode, and I look forward to bringing you more information to help you become the best version of yourself.